Welcome to Season 2 of the DOPA Podcast, fueling conversations around creative wellness and turning negative barriers into positive tools for mental success. Brought to you by the Department of Proactiveness and your host, Alex Normanton. Joining me today is Jason Kempen, Creative Director at Kindle Amsterdam. We discuss how to navigate from sensitivity to sensibility and how to help people become more pragmatic in their creative ideology and approach. Good morning, Jason. Morning, Alex. We are sat in an unusual location for this podcast recording. It's kind of a a special edition and five-star treatment, I would suggest. It's very gazellic. (laughs) Yeah, super gazellic. And we're sat in a a beautiful hotel suite, which I think... you know, a luxury, luxury experience it's, it's, for a it's podcast. It's a good place to be. Yeah. So thanks for being willing to be here. Absolutely. We've known each other a while, actually. You were my creative director at one point. You were my client at one point. <laughs> We've both moved on through various companies in, in Amsterdam. It's really good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to see a friendly face in these uh, strange times. It's nice to just have a proper conversation with someone without <laughs> a screen in the way. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, we're here today to talk about really how to navigate from sensitivity to sensibility and really how to enable people to be more pragmatic in their creative approach. Plus, I'm sure some awesome practical tools (laughs) on how to take the helicopter view and become more objective with their creative process. That's one hell of an intro. It is, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote this stuff? Hopefully I can do this subject justice. (laughs) I think it's going to be kids. So yeah, diving in, um, sensitivity, I think you could kind of liken it to a full series of emotions. And obviously sensitivities are different for different people and different individuals. I think it's very prevalent within the creative industry. And I'm just curious to unpack that a little bit more. Everyone within all their, their various roles and kind of going through life, uh, we all have our various insecurities, I think regardless of whether you're in the creative field or not. Certainly to my own experience as being a creative, everything you create, everything you put out into the world is, a, you know, it's an expression of who you are as a person. It probably shouldn't always be <laughs> when making commercial work at the end of the day through your training and just the fact you're kind of conjuring something out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's an extension of yourself in that way. So I think, you know, it, it's very difficult to sort of separate the self from the work. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a lifelong exercise for pretty much any creative. Yeah, it's a principle that kind of needs constant work and practice in order to master it, you know, by my own ambition, I would say I'm a master of all these skills. I think we're all work in progress, but it's just good to be aware of what drives those sensitivity, what triggers those sensitivity issues or emotional things in each of us. I think if we're aware of what they are, then we can kind of manage them a little bit more effectively. So I think it's about knowing how to manage it and not being also detached from it. Uh, Because I think, you know, part of the beauty of being a creative is that, especially if you're presenting work or kind of sharing work for the first time, uh, you know, you want to present stuff that you're proud of or stuff that you're emotionally invested in as well uh you know so it's not that you want to kind of lose that sensitivity to what you've done in such a way that it becomes that you're detached or uh, the passion no longer comes through but being a little bit more aware of your own relationship to your work and what that means to self is a, a tool that you kind of learn i guess over the years yeah totally touched on that a little bit already but why do you think creative people 
can feel overtly sensitive about their work and the ideas that they create. I think it comes a little bit from the origins of actually where most people kind of come into creative and commercial design. I think many of us were probably like frustrated artists at school or, you know, we weren't good at certain other things. So we went kind of tapped into our kind of creative side and then went on to go study design or advertising or copywriting and then kind of moved into then, you know, commercial design, commercial advertising. I think because you kind of come out of the space where sort of something revolving around art turned into then kind of a profession, severing the tie between that notion of expressing yourself mm. and then going into a more commercial space. You never really sever that tie that kind of follows you really through your career. On a daily basis, you're creating and sometimes that's something small. Other times it's something really sort of conceptual and thought through and really comes from deep inside you. Mm. It's kind of this constant process of sort of creating from the inside and then exposing on the outside, whether that's, mm. you know, in presentations or with peers. When you're kind of constantly giving of yourself and, you know, directing your own thoughts and experiences into creative output, that's where you feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why creatives feel so often sensitive about their work. Yeah, totally. You know, we're not creating in isolation. And I think, you know, that's balancing, you know, that uh, sensitivity with sensibility, which we'll get onto probably a bit later. But it's about having that balance that what we're creating is not purely an artistic expression that we're putting out into the world. Mm -hmm. And it's a kind of take it or leave it <laughs> approach. Everything that we're creating, certainly within our, uh, let's say, more commercial art fields, you know, it's something in collaboration with a client or, you know, it's it's art with a purpose to communicate or to inform mm -hmm. or to involve so it's not a one-sided dialogue yeah. you kind of approach it that way a bit at the start yeah. but yeah at some point you have to put it out into the world and then that's normally where you know you start taking those either those little knocks to your to your ego or to your aesthetic and i think that's where that sort of sensitivity to yeah. let's say the personal aspect of what it means to you comes in yeah, for sure we touched on this a long time ago with graham sturt he was talking about just this idea of commercial art and commerciality um there are studios and esoteric studios doing beautiful aesthetically driven artful pure graphic design work absolutely yeah and then obviously we have as you said producing creative and art for commercial purposes for brands yeah meaningful work for ngos or commercially driven accounts for multi-million dollar multinationals etc etc there's an element within every creative person that is still putting themselves into the work yeah but how do you balance that juxtaposition of not putting everything in or holding back because it's, I don't know, it's, it's almost like a self-preservation <laughs> mode. I mean, I've been in various conversations where you can tell the person's super passionate about what they do and they put their heart and soul into every piece of work that they do because they love it and they're passionate about it. But I've also had conversations with people who... It's like there's no point putting myself totally into this piece of work because, like, it's just going to drive more sales yeah. for a product I don't totally believe in. Therefore, I'm going to put a barrier between myself for self-preservation reasons yeah. in order to just do the job. How do you navigate that? I think a, a lot of this has to do with self-awareness, um, and that can be around the, you know, the kind of companies you're choosing to work within, a realistic point of view around the kind of work that those companies do, what kind of clients you want to work with. Because I think certainly if you're working in a commercial world of design or advertising, or if you are, you know, working with brands, 
the chances are that it's not just entirely up to you. You're in an ecosystem of various things that intersect to kind of get to the final creative product. And I think building self-awareness over time in terms of your role within that is very important. You can also then identify those moments where you want to go all in yeah. and know that that's the right thing to do for that project yeah. or client. And also knowing which projects are, not that you're giving less because it's less important, but knowing, you know, where the more functional ones are and giving, you know, still doing a good job, yeah. but being cognizant of, you know, what's required for that. I think it's certainly a trap that a lot of creatives fall into yeah. is we feel like, you know, every single project we work on has to be award-winning yeah. and uh, you know you have to give 200% and every project has to be a passion project and I think yeah as you kind of go through your career that's simply not the case yeah. I think also you, if you want to avoid burnout you just cannot take that approach yeah. or you know the other alternative there is to get yourself into an agency or an environment or your own business where you know you are only taking on passion projects and you kind of determine that cadence yourself. Yeah, or even working for clients that you totally identify with a mission and purpose exactly. or a niche yeah. area that you just that brings you alive and that's part sure. of who your DNA is. But I think that's a fair point. Um, it, it's difficult because I think we're almost trained to play and explore and push boundaries. Not every project can be that project where there's six people on the team working on it crazy hours because it's a really amazing opportunity to push the brief if the client doesn't want to push the brief, for example, they for just sure. want what they've always done. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself. Not every single piece of creative and work that goes out into the universe is required to do that either. And I think that's where that pragmatism comes yeah. in. Sometimes you just need something that informs or kind of gives a bit of an impression. Or And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's not like any less worthy than other more creative types of work. Yeah. Um, but knowing when to balance that and when to give more of yourself or, you know, just do a really solid job, I think is, again, you know, even uh, having done this for, for quite some years, it's still a balancing act for me. Yeah. But I think, you know, through sort of continual dialogue with your peers, with your team and with your clients to really kind of make sure that everyone is clear about what's required for a project. You know, I think there's still within creatives, you see opportunities, you can't kind of help it. Yeah. Uh, so you'll always have a bit of that spark or that nugget of something you want to bring through. But knowing that that's an extra, uh, <laughs> as opposed to like trying to get the whole project through on that little spark. Yeah, yeah that's about balancing that kind of uh, those dynamics. I also think that appetite, in a way, should be put into a brief. Yeah, I know Dixon Baxi as a methodology have a, a slide in their deck in the first client meeting which is where does your ambition land on mm. the scale between evolution and revolution? Yeah. And what is the appetite for change? That almost becomes a barometer for the entire project right at the outset. So everyone's on the same page. Exactly, yeah. A creative director that I used to work with a couple of years ago used to always say, uh, measure twice, cut once. <laughs> yeah. um, and kind of really had that sort of drummed into me. And I think that's exactly the point, is being clear at the start that everyone is on the same page. Um, and it can kind of feel sometimes a bit laborious at the beginning because you just want to jump into the work, right? Yeah. You know, the ideas are already coming and you want to get into it. Certainly in my role as a creative director, finding the team in the right place and the right headspace uh, and also, you know, having the client with the same aspiration, getting all of that together, yeah. uh, super important actually before you kind of start because the last thing you want is to kind of get to that first presentation. Uh, <laughs> you, you've had it yourself many times. I've certainly had it yeah. and you're like, the team's been working all through the night and you're like, here's our moment to shine. And then you realize you've kind of overshot the brief by about 300% because yeah. actually, 
what was needed was just something sort of quick and solid. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, getting on that page at the beginning of the project, super, super important. Yeah. And also, I think it's helpful that it removes a lot of those sensitivity issues. Indeed, yeah. Uh, at, at the outset. Yeah. Do you mean you don't like, <laughs> do you know how, how much we've worked on this? I mean, you're not saying that, but inside you're going, hang on a minute, come on. I mean, exactly. Like, like the amount of stuff we've done. Yeah, but we just wanted this. Yeah, that's, it's exactly that balance between, yeah, knowing where to kind of give, uh, let's say, more of your emotional self. Yeah. And where to balance that sort of more pragmatic aspect around, you know, this is something we just need to do a really solid job on. Yeah. Um, what would you say typically amplifies your sensitivity and starts to turn up the heat on your emotions? <laughs> um, in, in a work context. In a work context. We'll come on to personal later. Well, <laughs> uh, there's not a huge separation between who I am at work and who I am in my personal life. And I can tend to run a little hot. <laughs> I think I've become better at controlling that emotion over the years. But sure, I mean, I get triggered still, you know, in meetings or presentations. Um, and the thing that normally does it for me is uh, an issue around kind of respect for the work. I think there's certainly a willingness within all of us that work within, uh, you know, the brand world to always do the best service by our client. Part of that is making conscious decisions. I'm not just choosing colors because I like those colors, but choosing those colors because we think it's the right thing to do for this campaign or this project. Uh, I think part of that is just, yeah, protecting your, your own sort of sensitivities around your work uh, and making sure that, yeah, in that moment, the work is kind of seen as being for the brand and for the collective and for the job mm -hmm. it needs to do as opposed to, let's say, a artistic expression. I think that's a really good point. Going back a little bit to maybe what makes me then run hot in meetings is kind of knowing that we go through this mm -hmm. whole process to get to what we're presenting. Um, I think the thing that probably triggers me is when I feel that not enough time is taken to consider the work. Um, you know, especially if you know it's something that the team has been working on for quite some time, uh, or maybe you've been through a few iterations to kind of get there because it's not an easy brief to crack or whatever, whatever the circumstances are kind of leading up to say a presentation yeah. moment. Um, and certainly the thing that then kind of gets me is, you know, yeah. if you're then presenting that work and I don't know, the client's on their phone or you've spent three <laughs> weeks working on something and you have 15 minutes to kind of present it in the canteen at the office, that tends to, to rile me up a little bit. And I guess that's my own sensitivity as well, right? You kind of there's an expectation that if you've put in this much, you want to kind of yeah. have your moment to shine. I think certainly for myself, I, of course, realize yeah. <laughs> that equation is a bit of a false equation. Certainly on the client side, they have the time they have or they have the availability that they have and you make it work. But that's not to say that, yeah, so sometimes I think in that moment I can... I can feel a little bit of the uh, the hot nerves uh, rushing up inside me. Yeah. yeah, that's understandable. I think because I tie it to respect for the work. And that's probably not the case. Uh, but it's certainly, again, it's my own sensitivity often in those moments where I'm like, God damn it, <laughs> listen to me. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. I mean, is there anything else that goes in tandem with that? I guess every person that's ever worked in any uh, creative industry always complains about like timelines <laughs> and time to do stuff. I think there's always a bit this expectation that you're on a hamster wheel to deliver, deliver, deliver. And I think that also kind of tends to to kind of get to me where you also feel like because of limited time constraints, uh, you simply cannot deliver something that you're proud of or that you think is even at, at a base level. Um, and I think that that also is something that, yeah, triggers me because then you always feel like you're a bit on the back foot. You present work. Uh, you know it's not great because you only had a few hours or whatever the case was. 
Um, and that kind of dynamic as well also tends to get me running a little hot. <laughs> it's that golden triangle, isn't it? Between time, quality, budget. Indeed. It's a bit of a, a false equivalency. Yeah. Certainly all of those factors kind of come into play. But yeah, you know, you need time to do stuff. Because so much can be automated these days. If you're paying someone for creativity or for design or whatever uh, conceptual ability, they just need the time to do that. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that, that also when you, you're not able to, to give the best of yourself because of a time constraint of that, that's also tends to be then you can be a little bit oversensitive in the moment. It sounds like you have uh, a lot of stories <laughs> <laughs> that tap into this point. We're going to have to do a, a sub-podcast, Alex. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a whole, a whole other maybe 10 episodes. Then. I think so. News from the front line. <laughs> when all those triggers have been pushed and you can really feel those various emotions rising up within you, what do you do mentally and practically to deal with that? You know, one of the techniques uh, I've kind of learned over the years, um, and this is probably a little bit where my, let's say, professional persona digresses a bit from my personal persona. Um, and because I'm aware of this in myself, uh, certainly if I have like, let's say, conflict moments or whatever in my personal life, I tend to be quite reactive, you know, very quickly, like defensive, kind of get out there and try to make my point known. Uh, that doesn't work super well in a professional context. To be honest, doesn't work super well in a personal context. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I try to be a bit more conscious of knowing that that tends to be my style. Uh, so when it is work related and we're in those kind of wider meetings, I actually know for myself, I kind of need to just shut up, mm -hmm. uh, bite my tongue for a little while. Um, and that also kind of just it buys me some time. You know, you feel that kind of, let's say, frustration or whatever building up inside you um you know that sensitivity to something you've maybe heard or an action that's kind of happened um yeah. and i know for myself i actually then just need to kind of put a little bit of a pause on my reaction to both buy me some time for myself to calm down a little bit and actually also to kind of buy some time to hear the other person's perspective a little bit more mm -hmm. um because i think that can also be a danger when you you know when you get into that kind of sensitive mode you feel like you know your work is being trampled on or you're being disrespected for whatever reason you re want to react quite quickly um, and i think if you can kind of push through that moment and listen <laughs> you'll hear the information that you need actually in order to move forward Mm -hmm. um, because I think that's the goal at the end of the day, you know, uh, whatever dynamics are in play, you want to move forward and you want to keep moving and keep progressing. Yeah. Um, so for me, yeah, learning to kind of bite my tongue and pipe down, yeah. uh, so I can get as much information as I need out to move forward is kind of the technique I develop for myself. Really the heart of listening and reflecting rather than reacting. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a practice thing, uh, even to this day, because, uh, you yeah. know, you, I can feel that, that kind of sensitivity building up inside me. I get a little bit prickly. And I have to consciously remind myself, like, mm -hmm. shut up, Jason. <laughs> this is not your time to uh, get defensive and react. Uh, this is time to kind of listen and probe a little bit further. Yeah. You know, one of the things you can always do in, in these situations is buy yourself time. I think because we've become so used to being in a, on a treadmill, having the, the work quickly and having the answer, um, I think allow yourself to also say in a moment, like, 
I don't know the answer right now. I need some time to yeah. think about that. That's also, a, let's say, a trick <laughs> that I use because I don't always know the answer at the time or I do need to think about it. And I think being honest enough to say that and vulnerable enough to say that yeah. is yeah, really something that can be very useful. Yeah, and that's also quite rare to hear though, isn't it, within those meetings? Because you just say there's like maybe an agenda of an hour and every 10 minutes under something, but typically things overrun and you know when the pressure of presenting creative is supposed to have been half an hour but it's now eight minutes then there is merit in going look we're not going to be able to present everything right now here's a snapshot if you have time to extend the meeting that'd be amazing but also now might be a good time to just pause and uh, ask a critical question yeah rather than just hitting those agenda points or as you say being quiet <laughs> um, before you speak um it's difficult isn't it in the moment to kind of have that control but i think as we've kind of talked about a little bit it's practice and we're yeah. all works in progress and the more you do it the easier it becomes until the day we die we'll all be improving it's also one of the reasons why i fundamentally believe that certainly with an agency life really from the kind of beginning even the most junior people always need to sort of be exposed to that kind of side of the business you know, I know certainly there are agencies out there that are very protective of creatives and you always have, let's say, a client team that buffers them. Strangely enough, even in some agencies at a very senior level still, which has always been uh, a little bit strange to me because I've, I've come from agency cultures where actually even juniors are present at client presentations yeah. and that. Um, and I think that's super important. Yeah, for sure. Not that you, you necessarily want everyone to give their input, but to kind of get a sense of, you know, the dynamics yeah. um, and through practice, because I think that's the thing, you know, no one comes freshly minted uh, out into the, you know, the sort of uh, the world that we work in, knowing how to deal with these moments and how, how to deal with like your own like sensitivities to things that are said and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, often a comment which you take really personally and maybe a client didn't even really think about it yeah um but yeah kind of seeing those moments in action more often helps you also learn just over time how to deal with them yeah how do you think we can balance the desire to make beautiful things with becoming more pragmatic in our approach and the commercial side of creativity i think there's there's two aspects to this um you know i think most people who end up in the, let's say, creative world, but doing that commercially for clients and for brands, still have an inherent need to make, to create, to express themselves. It's a little bit where the self-awareness comes into play. Being conscious of where you are in your career, being conscious of where you are with brands that you work with, knowing the kind of company that you're working with. You know, as much as we'd like to think that as kind of the superstars we all imagine ourselves to be, that we can massively change the trajectory of the companies that we work in, it's it's possibly true for some, you know, really influential people out there. Having a sense of where you want to be in that whole mix of things is, is super important because otherwise you're just going to constantly be frustrated about the kind of work you're doing or you're going to be annoyed about the kind of clients. Um, so if they're not for you, uh, then the answer is you need to be somewhere else, to be honest. Uh, you know, no agency or studio is going to completely reshape themselves around the wishes of one person who's not happy, uh, ultimately. And that sounds kind of a tough thing to say, 
Uh, but it's simply the truth, particularly in big in bigger companies, you know, that are kind of rolling along and have have a whole structure already. So that self awareness to know like your place within all of that is something you need to to really think about and spend some time uh, kind of questioning. You know, is this the right place for me? Am I doing the kind of work I want to be doing? Um, or taking, uh, you know, you know, and that's if you want to spend every minute of every day doing the most conceptual, most beautiful, most thought provoking work. For sure, there are places you can be to do that kind of work. And then you have to figure out how you're going to kind of get there uh, if you're not lucky enough to be there uh, already. Um, that said, if, you know, uh, yeah, the way to do it is to kind of be pragmatic around knowing that your day-to-day is your day-to-day. And then you find other creative outlets, you know, to explore topics you want to do. Um, you know, it's a bit like you're doing with this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, this is a really nice way for you to explore topics that, uh, you know, you wouldn't touch on potentially in your normal, like, kind of day-to-day or even exploring a new medium. Um, so I think, yeah, you can kind of go both ways. If you're, not, if you're not in a space where your day in, day out is at the sort of bleeding edge of creativity, you also have the option uh, to kind of create uh, other, uh, other things for yourself on the side. Um, it's not to say we all have perpetual time <laughs> um, and we all often cite like reasons of time not to do those kind of things. But I think it's questioning all these constructs um, and being aware of the choices you've made and why you kind of land up there um, is, is really important, uh, that self-awareness. Thank you for, for sharing that. There's, <laughs> no, no, there's generally a lot of depth there that I think a lot of people will get insights and be inspired about, but also just in the way you're talking about it it sounds just very pragmatic and a sensible maturity to life in creativity and life as a creative person or as a designer whatever level you're at and it's a choice as you say isn't it where do you want to be on that scale a bit like the scale of where do you want to be for this brief from a client yeah is it evolution and revolution yeah is it that you want to create beautiful things or is it that you recognize that that may not be the case for you. You want to knuckle down, do some hardcore design work that won't win awards, but it will deliver results for the client. And that pragmaticness of achieving those sales targets or hitting those KPIs is is good. Yeah. But it's still putting work out into the world that is achieving something with a different purpose. Indeed, yeah. It's maybe a bit of a horrid generalization, but I do find uh, certain, and I don't know for all creatives, but certainly designers, there can often be a tendency to be so focused on the craft and the self, uh, because those two are so inextricably linked, that there can be a little bit of a tendency to forget about, let's say, the other aspects around actually career building and you know not that you need to be building up to this huge thing but if you feel like you're not doing the kind of work that you want to be doing it makes you sensitive again i think there's a a lesson certainly in there for all designers all of us to maybe sometimes just raise our head a little bit above our work which we're super passionate about which can be all consuming for us um, and think a little bit more around actually the context that we're we're working in yeah yeah that's really helpful and it's different for every person as absolutely yeah where do you want to be? Do you take this job because you want to learn this specific skill, which is a bridging uh, role to something else? Um, it doesn't always have to be a straight line. Actually, the beauty of creativity and the creative process is often not a straight line. Yeah, you can zigzag. Yeah, but it's the same for some people's careers. Um, you know, it could be a sidestep to to learn something else, to learn a new skill. 
For sure. or to learn a different type of design. Being grown up and sensible about it, <laughs> balancing that between the sensitivity of where do you ultimately want to be and moving forward. But with those practical tools, I think, that you mentioned before in your bag. That's it. I think yeah. building that self-awareness around uh, your own strengths and weaknesses, your own wishes and desires, your own reactions to things, that's really the kind of the key to unlocking that, uh, let's say, shift from being sensitive and letting that really affect you versus uh, yeah. in the moment uh, having more of a, a pragmatic approach and kind of letting that wash yeah. over you and move on to the next thing. Yeah, that reflection, but also questioning why am I feeling this way in this moment right now? Yeah. Rather than, oh, this is uncomfortable, I'm going to react. That takes, well, it takes practice, it takes it skill. But also, as you say, that self-awareness to be able to do that in the moment. And I think also realizing it's not a sign of weakness. You know, it's a tool for yourself in the moment to kind of keep moving forward. How have you learned to separate your self-worth, your feelings and emotions from being more realistic and pragmatic? I think for me, that's that's been a journey <laughs> like it has been for many of us. Um, you know, I still remember coming out of university and studying and kind of going into my uh, sort of first few years of working. And those were very sensitive times for me. You know, everything that I did and everything that I put out was giving my all. Um, you know, I also at the time counted myself so lucky to be working in quite a, you know, like hotshot agency uh, so I felt every moment I wanted to like constantly like give 300% to everything and then you know like a week's worth of work would be like cut down in a second and I'd be like shattered <laughs> for days and then jump back on the treadmill of giving 300% again to try and solve it but I think you learn just over time that also that hamster wheel is completely unsustainable yeah. and learning to kind of identify also again how to adjust your own energies to kind of put the right thing in at the right time. Yeah. You know, again, learning what's appropriate at the right time is an ongoing struggle or lesson for many of us uh, because I think again as creatives we always just want to give of ourselves so we have this tendency to jump in with both feet and go like 200 kilometers an hour from like the very first second mm. when actually often that's not needed at that very first second it's a marathon not a sprint um, and I yeah. think learning that is something that just happens over time through experience and getting mm. knocked on the head a few times as well. Are there any other practical tools that you could suggest to become more well-rounded and balanced creative individual and even a creative leader let's say self-critique and self-evaluation and i think that's something that it's a tool that's certainly useful for you uh, in the early stages of your career and to be honest actually in later stages of your career that actually becomes quite a big tool as you kind of potentially move into more like creative director role design director role that notion of critique then becomes something that you kind of apply to others. Uh, speaking about oneself, making sure you make those moments to reflect on what you're doing is so important. And I know uh, we've probably all seen the memes of like a timeline of a project and then there's like procrastinate at the beginning and then do all the work while crying in the last five minutes. <laughs> um, I think we'll probably all be like that till the end of time. The challenge with that is that you don't allow yourself that moment to actually reflect on what you've done. Um, so I think learning how to evaluate your own work and your own output as you're going along and then even kind of before you share it with a wider audience uh, is super important so that you can also then address and course fix uh, stuff that's maybe not correct. Um, you know, it can also be looking at it and going, shit, this is really hot. I'm super happy with everything I've done. That then gives you the energy to 
you know, go in guns blazing when you kind of share with a wider crowd, but try and build in that time for self-reflection about your work, whether that's sharing something with your client team or sharing something, a first review with a creative director, um, or even then eventually then sharing with a client. Build in some buffer time for yourself to make sure that you're also confident about what you're putting forward because it really helps to minimize your own sensitivity to any comments you might get. At the heart of it is that self-reflection idea, taking time to really listen to what's being said rather than reacting in the moment, reflect. That helps kind of diminish those sensitivities and that hot feeling <laughs> rising up that everybody can feel. But it's about recognizing that point where it's about to tip that you have to do something different in order to reverse it. So you're using the tool of reflection. Somebody else told me recently that they they like to plant their feet flat on the floor and push into that feeling or just push back on a chair so that they're, they're kind of physically mm -hmm. doing something different to take away that feeling to control themselves in a way. And then they're coming out with a little bit more of a measured response rather than a emotive response. And how can you tackle them and control them in a way that sets you up for success. Indeed. Knowing that what you put out there comes from an expression of yourself, but actually is not a measurement of who you are as a person. I think that... Uh, That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> learn, learning that balance uh, is, is pretty much a life's work. Um, but I think certainly if it's something you can at the very least be conscious of, um, you'll already have gone a long way towards uh, finding that uh, that better balance between sense and sensibility. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> There's the quote, Alex. <laughs> that is the quote. That is a really good one, actually. I feel like I should have a quote from that film and book right now, but I don't. Is it Mr. Darcy? I'm, I'm going to leave uh, the, uh, the, the the English <laughs> literature to the, uh, the, the Brits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it's Mr. Darcy. My wife's probably, uh, yeah, she's more aware of this stuff than I did in the English language. That's why. Give me a shout when it comes to, uh, to art and artists. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This has been really, really lovely to do, get your input on this topic. I hope people have found that super helpful. Thank you for being willing to be involved. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's a bit of a fish out of water situation for me. Always pretty strange to try a new format, but thank you so much for having me and for inviting me to be part of uh, these conversations, which I think are really important for our, our community. Yeah, thank you very much. I think that's a wrap. Great stuff. Do you want to do some famous South African rapper now? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dopa Podcast. If you found this episode helpful and inspiring, please don't forget to follow, like, share, review, rate, and subscribe. If you have any content ideas for future episodes, or you simply want to get in touch, please email alex at thedopa.com. <laughs>